0: Last Sunday we began a brand new series entitled Brand New, and we began to talk about how that God through His Son Jesus Christ brought us into a brand new covenant with God through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to talk about what does it mean as a result of that brand new covenant now God gives us a brand new heart, amen? A brand new heart. So look with me in Hebrews chapter 8, our foundational scripture for this series the Bible says, "...but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For He is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. And if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, He said, the day is coming, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah." And this covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord." And the writer of Hebrews is actually quoting here from Jeremiah the prophet. And Jeremiah says in verse 10 there, and this is the new covenant God said that I will make with the people of Israel on that day. I will put my laws in their mind, and I will write them on their heart and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Amen. So look at that first point on your outline. Jesus' death and resurrection brought an end to the old covenant and established a brand new covenant. And that new covenant gives those who believe in Jesus a brand new heart. Amen? That new covenant gives us a brand new New heart. Now, I want you to look with me in Ezekiel chapter 11, because Jeremiah that we just read out of Hebrews, quoting uh, the, the book of Jeremiah, Ezekiel chapter 11 almost gives a similar prophetic utterance declaring the new covenant that God would bring. And this is what Ezekiel says under the Holy Spirit. He says, and I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart so that they will obey my decrees and regulations, and then they will truly be my people, and I will be their God. And the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Look at that next point. brand new heart produces a brand new life. Can I get a witness in here today? Can anybody testify that when Jesus came into your heart, that when God gave you a brand new heart, it immediately began to produce within you a brand new life, right? Your family changed, your finances changed, your dreams and your visions changed, and the way you lived your life changed. Why? Because when you get a brand new heart, a brand new heart launches you into a brand new life that is filled with the fullness and the grace and the goodness that God has for us. Amen? So when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, God changes us from the inside out. God changes us from the inside out. I want you to understand Christianity is an inside job. Christianity is an inside job. Religion tries to conform you. Religion uses external restraints, but it never produces lasting fruit. God doesn't want to conform you. You know what God wants to do? He wants to transform you from the inside out. See, because the fruit of Christianity is not that I have an external transformation. Christianity is not about behavior modification. Right? God's not interesting, interested in modifying your behavior. God is interested in transforming your heart. God wants to give you a brand new heart. Why? Because God understands something. God understands the difference between temporal victory and lasting victory is a brand new heart. See, under a religious system, religion is man's effort to conform you into the image of God to be like Him, to follow Him, to look like Him, to talk like Him. And religion says you need to dress like me, and you need to walk like me, and you need to talk like me, and you need to act like me. But how many of you understand, me and you are not the standard. Jesus Christ is the standard, and the standard of God is not a good man. The standard of God is a perfect man. And the only way you can be transformed in the image and likeness of that perfect man is that God has to give you a brand new heart. There has to be a supernatural transformation that takes place on the inside or you will never change. Again, the difference between temporal victory and lasting victory is the transformation of a heart. External constraints does not produce internal transformation. And if you don't believe me, look at the prison system. Most of the people in prison are repeat offenders. They're in prison again, and they're in prison again, and they're in prison again. Why? Because external constraints does not produce internal transformation. I mean, and you can constrain yourself, right? You can, you can fit into a mold. You can conform. You can, you can exercise your will and say, I'm going to try to do right. I'm going to try to be right. And that happens for a season. Right? We've all said this about family and friends. Well, you know what, old Billy? He's straightened up now. He's doing good now. But how many of you know most of the time doing good now doesn't last? And he's straightened up now, but he hadn't straightened up. Let me tell you why. Because external restraints, whether they're self-imposed Whether they're imposed by people, whether they're imposed by the law, whether they're imposed by a probation officer, whether it's imposed by a court system, whether it's imposed by an employer, whether it's imposed by a religious system, external constraints never bring internal transformation. A pig in a prom dress is still a pig. And we live in a world where the world tries to conform us and religion tries to conform us and the court system tries to conform us into model citizens, but the reality is you will never be transformed unless you are given a brand new heart. Because transformation is an inside job. And the reason that so many people go back and they go back and they go back and they go back to who they used to be is because they never became a brand new man. Because until you get a brand new heart, you'll never be a brand new man. You'll be a pig in a prom dress, but you'll still be a pig. Look what Jesus said. John chapter 3, speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one of the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Jesus said human life only produces human life, but the Holy Spirit is what gives birth to spiritual life. Don't be surprised, Jesus said Nicodemus, you must be born again. When you accepted Jesus, let me say this, that new covenant, by faith in Jesus Christ, when you entered into that new covenant, God gives you a new heart. How does He do that? The Holy Spirit comes into your heart and your life, and you went from being dead in your trespasses and sins, and the first resurrection you ever experienced experience is when you get born again, because when you get born again, your spirit man that was dead and separated from God gets raised to life by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and now I went from being dead to being alive. I went from being disconnected to God to being united with God. I went from being oblivious to my own sinful nature to to, to in tune with God's holy nature, and now I'm a brand new person because I got a brand new heart. And salvation is not external constraints. You're not saved and going to heaven because you go to church. You're not saved and going to heaven because you pray to prayer. You're not saved and going to heaven because you went, to because you read your Bible. You're not saved and going to heaven because you give to the church. You're not saved and going to heaven because of any external constraints, any external rules, any external regulations. That is not your salvation. It's the fruit of salvation, but it's not your salvation. You are saved and going to heaven because you have been born again. You literally went from having an old heart that was dead in sin to having a brand new heart that's been raised to life through Christ Jesus, and I'm not who I used to be. Praise God, Jesus saved me. And that's the reality of what Christianity is about. It is an inside job that requires the inner working of the Holy Spirit. You can go to church all your life and go to hell. You can be the biggest giver, and you can be the best prayer and go to hell. You can quote more Scriptures than anybody else on the planet and go to hell. Why? Because salvation is not about external constraints. It is about an inner transformation that happens on the inside. Do not be surprised, Jesus said, when I say you must be born again. Look what Paul said in Romans. Romans chapter 8, he says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. The evidence of your salvation is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. You got a new heart because you've received a new spirit. And you've been raised to life. The evidence of your salvation is not external constraints, it is internal transformation that happens through the person of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 10. And Christ lives within you. How does he do that? By the Holy Spirit. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Look at verse 11. I love verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Pastor Keith, how do I know I'm saved? Because the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And I say this a lot, I say this at our encounters, people say, well, how do I know if the Spirit of God lives in me? Well, you know if there's a mouse in your house, right? He's that big. You mean a mouse that big in your house? After about a week of being there, somebody says, hey, we got a mouse in the house. I see some evidence of his existence. You mean to tell me you can recognize a mouse in your house and you don't know if the Spirit of the living God that raised Jesus from the dead lives and abides on the inside of you? If you don't know you've got the Spirit, you don't. It's not hard. Why? Because when the Creator of the universe, the God of heaven and earth, by His Spirit, the resurrection power of the resurrected Christ moves into your heart, He raises you to spiritually life, spiritual new life, and you become a brand new person because you get a brand new heart. And if you've never experienced that, then you've never experienced what Jesus said, you must happen, and that is you must be born again. And just as God, the rest of that verse, just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So look at that next point. I want you to see this. So our new heart connects us to God's heart because we have received the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 11 verse 19 said this, He said, I will give them singleness of heart and put a new Spirit within them. That word singleness of heart means for two to become one. And isn't that what Jesus prayed, Father make them one? One with me and one with you, as you're in me and I'm in you, may we abide in them, may we be one? And that's what happens when you get born again. When you accept the brand new covenant, you get a brand new heart, and your heart becomes one with God's heart. It's a picture almost of marriage, right? And the two shall become one. And all of a sudden, our new heart connects us to God's heart because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We are spiritually raised to life, and now our, new, our born-again spirit, indwelt by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, connects us to the very heart of God. I want to see what 1 Corinthians says. It's awesome. 1 Corinthians 2 says, for no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own Spirit. And we have received God's Spirit. We have received what? God's Spirit. Not the world's Spirit. We have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Verse 16 says, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? And who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. My new heart connects me to God's heart because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Because we have received God's Spirit, the Bible says, so that we might know the things that He has freely given to us. You know what happened when you got born again? You started knowing things you didn't know. You started seeing things you had never seen, you started hearing things you had never heard, and you started knowing things you had never known before. Why? Because God, through the Holy Spirit, gives us a brand new heart, and that brand new heart connects us to the heart of God so we can know God's thoughts, God's plan, God's purpose, and God's will for our lives. The Holy Spirit, a brand new heart, connects us to God's heart so we can know. We can know His will. We can know His plan. We can know His purpose. We can know His direction for our lives. Let me say it like this. If you're here today and you're a Christian, every wrong decision you've ever made as a Christian, y'all listen to me for just a second. Every wrong decision you've ever made as a Christian, you knew it was the wrong decision before you ever made it. You knew it. You weren't oblivious to it. You weren't clueless to it. There was this little check right here. There was this little something that said, "Don't, don't, don't say that. Don't, don't, don't go there. Don't do that." And and here's what's crazy: is every wrong decision we've ever made, we knew it was the wrong decision before we ever made it. Why? Because we've got a brand new heart, and that brand new heart connects us to the heart of God, to the mind of God, to the will of God, to the Spirit of God, so that we can know God's purpose, God's plan, God's direction for our lives. And the reality is, as Christians, we don't make wrong decisions because we didn't know it was wrong. We make wrong decisions because we rebel against God. We know. Our new heart connects us to God's heart so we can be one with Him, so that we can know the mind of Christ, the will of God, the purpose of God for our lives. So let's talk today about that brand-new heart. Let's talk about the evidence of that brand-new covenant. How do I know I've entered into a brand-new covenant? I know I've entered into a brand-new covenant because I've got a brand-new heart. And Ezekiel describes that new heart. Look at that next point. So our new heart is tender and not hard. Our new heart is tender and not hard. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, I will take away their stony heart and give them a tender heart. It's amazing how sin makes you hard-hearted. Before you and I came to Christ, every one of us, before we came to Christ, our hearts had grown calloused and cold. Now you may not have been as hard-hearted as the person next to you, don't look at them. But your heart was hard. You were calloused, you were cold, you were critical, you were judgmental, you were cynical. Think about how sin hardens our heart. Sin hardens our heart and makes us critical, judgmental, cynical people. They look down our long noses at everybody else in the world. It's amazing that when you're in sin, you think everybody else is wrong, and you're the only one doing it right. I love to listen to people talk, and I love it when you're talking to them, and they're talking about, my boss is doing this, and my family's doing this, and the church is doing this, and the government's doing this, and I don't even know what God's doing. He ain't helping me none. I'm the only one. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing how we've all thought that? Isn't that amazing how hard-hearted and calloused and deceived we all were before we came to Christ? But when you entered into that new covenant, God gave you a new heart, and all of a sudden God took out that hard-hearted, callous soul, and God gave you a tender, teachable, compassionate, caring heart. There's a a man in my life, about eight months ago, I've been witnessing to him for years, and eight months ago he got radically saved and set free. And and he's running hard after Jesus, and he told me a couple weeks ago, he said, you know what, Keith? He said, I used to just, I didn't like anybody. I didn't like anybody. And it was real easy to hear that because you could hear it in his voice. He blamed everybody. He blamed everybody because he didn't like anybody. He was hard-hearted and callous. He said, but you know what? Now, I just can't. I love everybody. A guy by the name of Barry. Barry was a part of our church for years. Barry was kind of a man's man. He was a truck driver. and He got saved, radically saved, got born again. And he came up to me. It was three, maybe six months after he got saved. He said, Pastor Keith, he said I need to talk to you. He said, he said I don't know what's wrong with me. I said, what do you mean? He said, Every time I start talking about what God's done, I cry. And every time I see somebody that doesn't know God, I cry. He said, I'm a man, I don't cry. He said, But now all I do is cry. He said, What's wrong with me? I said, Nothing. God took out your heart callous, angry, bitter, spiteful, judgmental heart, and He gave you a tender heart that is moved with compassion, that actually loves people that you used to not love, because now they don't have to earn your love. Now they freely give it, because your heart is connected to God's heart, and God doesn't love us conditionally. God loves us unconditionally. What's the evidence of a new covenant? i get a brand new heart. My new heart is tender. Look at that next point. Our new heart is responsive and not stubborn. Ezekiel eleven nineteen 19 says, I will take away their stubborn heart and give them a responsive heart. It's amazing how sin makes us so stubborn. Unteachable, uncorrectable. I know it all. Who do you think you are to be telling me anything? Years ago I was studying, I ran across a a little article about how they would trap monkeys in the jungle. And they said they'd build these wire cages, and they'd, they'd leave a little hole in it just big enough for the monkey's hand to slide through the hole. And inside the cage they'd put a pile of bananas. And the monkey would reach through the cage and grab hold of the banana, and as soon as he grabbed hold of the banana, he was trapped. He couldn't get his hand out. And literally, screaming and yelling for its life, the trappers would walk up there and catch the monkey. Because he wouldn't let go of the banana. Isn't it amazing how stubborn sin makes us that the thing that's destroying us we keep holding on to? The thing that's devouring our family, we keep holding on to. And we scream and yell, and we cuss, and we fight, and we even pray, and we even anguish. But guess what? We never let go. And we're holding on to that addiction, and we're holding on to that pride, and we're holding on to that jealousy, and we're holding on to that envy, and we're holding on to that hurt, and we're holding on to all those things, and we're just holding on to that banana. And that's how most of us lived our lives, until we met Jesus. And all of a sudden when you met Jesus, God took out that old stubborn, you can't teach me, you can't tell me who do you think you are mentality, and God gave you a responsive heart, a heart that responds to the conviction and drawing of the Holy Spirit, a heart that responds to the correction and the instruction and the direction that other people bring into your life. Who do you think you are telling me how to live my life? i tell you who they are. They are the voice of God trying to redeem and rescue your soul from hell. That's who they are. <laughs> I love it when people, who do you think you are? Well, I'm the voice of God, if you want to really know who I am. I'm the voice of truth telling you that you're holding on to something that's killing you, that you're holding on to something that's destroying your family. You're holding on to something that's eating you up from the inside. And if you will ever let God give you a brand new heart, one day that stubborn, stony heart can be ripped out of you, and God will give you a tender, responsive heart. The Bible says a wise man receives correction and becomes wiser, but a fool despises it even unto his own destruction. But when you enter into that brand new covenant, guess what God does? God gives you a brand new heart. A heart now that's tender, and a heart now that's responsive to what God is desiring and longing to do in your life. Look at that next point. I want you to see this. Our new heart is not only tender and responsive. Our new heart desires community and intimacy. Ezekiel eleven twenty 20 says, and then they will truly be my people, and I will be their God. They will truly be my people and I will be their God. How do you know you got a new heart? How do you know you entered into a new covenant? Because you got a new heart and now you got a new heart that desires community. They will be my people. God said they'll be my peeps. And I don't know about you guys, I like peeps. And you know what I recognize about peeps? Peeps come in packs. And when God gives you a new heart, you know what happens? Now you have a desire for real community. You desire to go to church. You desire to get in a small group. You desire to get around other Christians. You desire relationship and fellowship with people that are running hard after God. You desire that. That man I was telling you about got saved eight months ago. Last month he told me this. He said, Pastor Keith, he said, I think that I go to church now more than you do. (laughs) He said, I go on Sunday, I go on Monday night, I go on Tuesday night, I go on Wednesday night, I go on Thursday night, I think I go to church more than you. And for years I tried to get him to come to church. And he come for a week, might come for a month, might come for three months. But now, eight months ago, he entered into a brand new covenant, and he got a brand new heart. And you can't keep him out of the church. He desires community. And then you desire not just community, you desire intimacy. God said, they will be My people, and I will be their God. I will be their God. See, when you get a new heart, you get a new desire, and you desire intimacy with God. You want to know Him. You want to read your Bible. You want to pray. You want to worship. You want to serve Him. You want to make a difference in His name. You want to help somebody else know Jesus. All of a sudden, there's this intimacy. There's this this desire that says, I want to be with Him, and I want to know Him, and I want to make Him known. Why? Because i got a brand new heart. Not external constraints, internal transformation. My heart has been changed. Let me give you one last thought here today. We must guard our new hearts. See, if you're here today and you've been born again, God's give you a new heart, and you know that. But here's what you also know. You also know you must guard your heart. Because a Christian can become hard-hearted, and a Christian can be depressed, and a Christian can be defeated, and a Christian can be bound. How does that happen? Really, one way. One way. You don't guard your heart. God's give you a brand-new heart. And if you've got a brand new heart, now you've got a responsibility guard your heart. Why? Look what Proverbs 4.23 says. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life, life or death, blessing or cursing, peace or sorrow. Your heart determines that. It determines the course that you're going to take. And here's the reality. If you've got a brand new heart, you now have a responsibility to guard that heart. How do I guard my heart? It's really simple. You guard your heart against anything that grieves or quenches the Holy Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit that gave you a new heart. It's the Holy Spirit that connects your heart to the heart of the Father. So the way I guard my heart is I guard the Holy Spirit. Anything that grieves Him or anything that quenches Him affects my heart, and it determines the course of my life. Ephesians says it this way, the Apostle Paul said, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, and do not quench the Spirit. And in Romans 8, look what Paul says, verse 12 and 13. He says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, he's speaking to Christians. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So let me just say this to you. You you, you have a new heart, but because we still live in this body, there's still a sin nature. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life don't go away until we go to heaven. As long as you live in a natural body that's under the curse of sin, there's still a sin nature. I've got a new heart, but I've still got a sin nature. But look what Paul said. You are under no obligation. The sin nature no longer has authority or power over you. But look what he says in verse 13. For if you live by its dictates, the sinful nature's desires, if you live by that, you will die. And let's just be honest. That same little phrase is what God told Adam and Eve. If you eat that fruit, you're going to die. They ate of it. They didn't die naturally. How did they die? Spiritually. Guess what happens when you grieve and quench the Holy Spirit? You die spiritually. You don't die in the sense that you're dead. You die in the sense that you become weakened. And let's be honest, if we'll be real honest in this room, if you're a Christian, the times that you have grown spiritually weak and deprived and powerless and victorious and and lack victory in your life are the times in your life when you stopped guarding your heart and you allowed some things in your life that were grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. To grieve means to make sorrow. To grieve is to make sorrowful. We grieve the Holy Spirit by sin. There's really two aspects of sin we want to talk about today. We grieve the Holy Spirit. Sin is a transgression of the law. God says, don't do it, and you do it. That's sin. When the Holy Spirit says, don't say that, well, I'm going to say it. I'm going to speak my mind. Go ahead. Something dies every time you do that. Have you noticed every time you speak your mind, you actually don't walk away feeling better, you walk away feeling worse? You walk away with regret? You walk away discouraged? And let's just be honest, right? I don't have enough mind to share. I don't need to give anybody a piece of my mind. I need to keep it. And you need yours. I've talked to you. Come on, hold on to it all, okay? See, the Holy Spirit says don't say that, and when you say it, when you do what He says don't do, you grieve the Holy Spirit. For all you parents in here, it's really easy to understand that the comparison is really like this. When your child disobeys... Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go there. Don't hang out with them. And when they do it, even though they know they're not supposed to do it, it breaks your heart. And when they're five years old and they disobey you, they have five-year-old consequences. But when they're 20 years old and they disobey you, they have 20-year-old consequences. And it breaks your heart heart. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit says, don't do that, and you do it. It grieves the heart of God. And then the Bible says, don't quench the Spirit. The word quench literally means to pour water on a fire, to put out a fire. And what happens is, is we quench the Holy Spirit because the Scripture says, he that knoweth to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin." So we grieve the Holy Spirit when we do what we're not supposed to do, and we quench the Holy Spirit when we don't do what we're supposed to do. The Holy Spirit says witness to them. You're like, well, I don't even really know them. I can't witness that. I don't really know them. Why don't you go pray for them? Well, I've barely talked to them, and and Lord, I don't pray in public. Give, Give them $20. Well, Lord, I just saw them smoking a cigarette. They're wasting their money. Why would I want to give them $20? And every time you say no to what He says yes to, you just poured water on the fire. And your spiritual fire dies. It dies. So we have to guard our hearts. So I want you to do this. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, without a shadow of a doubt, I know, I know. I know that I've entered into a brand new covenant, and I know that I've received a brand new heart. I know I'm born again. I have no doubt about it. I know I am born again. I have received a brand new heart. If you're here today and you can say that with 100% confidence, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand. Just lift it up real high. I know I'm born again. I know I have received that brand new heart. Just raise your hand all over this field. Just hold up for just a minute. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I know. I'm in a brand new covenant. I've got a brand new heart. You can put your hands down. With every head bowed, every eye closed, every hand down right now, I want, you, I want to ask you, that if you raised your hand, this is what I want to ask you. How's your heart? How's your heart? Is there anything your life that is grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit? And if you raised your hand, you said, I've got a brand new heart. Now I want to ask you, how's your heart, and is there anything in your life that's grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit? And if there is, you need to confess it as sin, and you need to repent of it and turn back to God in that area of your life. Let me just say this to you. This is an awesome thought. The key to a victorious Christian life is not learning how to say no to temptation, The key to a victorious Christian life. Is learning how to say yes. To the holy spirit. He says don't say that you say yes lord. He says do say that. You say yes lord. He says don't go there. You say yes lord. He says do go there. You say yes lord. He says don't give that. You say yes lord. He says do give that. You say yes lord. The key to a victorious Christian life. Is saying yes to the holy spirit. Right now if you raised your hand. How's your heart. What area of your life do you need to say yes to right now? Confess it as sin, those things that are grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit, and say yes to Him right now. Now, if you were here this morning and you could not raise your hand, I want to ask you a question. Are you ready to receive a brand new heart? Jesus died. He gave us a brand new covenant. Not based on religious constraints, but based on internal transformation that comes from letting God give you a brand new heart. And if you're here this morning and you couldn't raise your hand, but you're sitting there right now and you say, Pastor Keith, I want a brand new heart. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again, and I trust Him, and I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. I want to receive today a brand new heart you, I want you to do something very simple and very powerful. It's simple because you do it every day. It's powerful because it's an act of faith. This is what I want you to do. I'm going to count to three in just a minute, and when I hit the number three, I want you to stand up. And you're here today. You couldn't raise your hand a while ago, but you're saying, Pastor Keith, today, I want a brand new heart. I want to trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. One, I realize I need Him. Two, I I desire to have a new heart. Free, stand to your feet right now. Free, I want that heart. Free, I want a brand new heart. Just stand up right now. I want that brand new heart today. I want a brand new heart in Jesus Christ. I don't want to be religious, I want to be righteous. If that's you, just stand up. A simple act of faith. Nobody's looking. This is between you and God. But this is your eternal destination hanging in the balance today. Today, I want to accept Jesus. I want a brand new heart. Father, I love you today. I thank you for giving us a new heart. I thank you for a new covenant and a new heart and a brand new life today. And I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause today. Amen.